Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Necromaniacs. This week, it's me and Jeff. How's it going, Jeff? Going pretty good, man. Um, yeah, like I was saying off the air, uh, it's really hot in Texas. <laughs> I, I don't know how I forgot this fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, I knew it was hot, but like living in it, I'm like, wow, Jesus Christ. This is a lot. There's a lot to deal with. But uh, other than that, uh, you know, pretty good. Had a little COVID scare um, the other day, uh, but uh, tested negative yesterday. I was feeling kind of crappy. And then this morning, I woke up feeling fine. So nothing to complain about. But you're, you're fit. How are you? You're, you're fit, right? Everything's cool? You know? Like you're, yeah, okay. yeah. You're not sick anymore? I had a weird... I, I well, that's a, I had a weird thing with my eye. It was really red and really watery, and my throat was scratchy. You know, and my nose is a little messed up. I was like, yeah, it feels more like allergies. But I know a couple people that uh, uh, around me have gotten gotten sick, so I thought, well, I should get checked out. Uh, and like I said, test came back negative, and today I feel fine. But who knows, man? I mean, I guess this is just reality. I mean, you're going to get it eventually. It's just like a flu or a cold. Eventually, you get sick. Yeah, I mean, and, at this stage of the game, it's probably now is probably the best time to get it than two years ago, you know? Yeah, oh, exactly. And I got to say, having like a sickness or allergies in 108-degree weather is, is uh, pretty miserable. I can only imagine how horrible that feels, especially having red, watery eyes, too. Yeah. I mean, summer has never been my favorite season anywhere, anywhere you live. But uh, it's just especially uh, aggravating and, and brutal here. How is it in Jersey? It's all right. You know, it's typical summertime. Going, you know, it's like... Going good? Yeah, it's going okay. You know, it's... You know, this, this past week was a little uh, trying... There was like some yeah. some challenges I had to overcome this past week on a personal level, and uh, we talked about all that stuff off the air, and no one needs to really hear about those things I said. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, right? Um, well, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I I uh, I totally get where you're coming from. I had a weird personal, not not a personal thing, but someone close to me, and I figured I'd mention it on air because this is a horror podcast. I talked to someone who claims to have seen a ghost really last week yes wow. okay um someone yeah i don't want to i don't want to blow anyone up or give anything well, do away. i do i know them no okay all right go ahead um it's someone uh I, you know i love this kind of stuff because as you know i mentioned before i don't believe in anything spiritual afterlife or anything like that so when People who I consider to be sane, rational people say they've seen a ghost. It always kind of piques my interest. And I guess it all depends on perspective. If I saw what this person saw, maybe I would think something else. But this person, who is a little bit more spiritual leaning than I am, I wouldn't say they're fanatical or true believers or anything like that. They were like, as plain as day, there was someone right there. And then they weren't. Wow, that's really interesting to me. Um, and I've always been fascinated by this whole subject, ghosts, ghost hunting, afterlife things. I've always been really intrigued by that because while I don't believe in any of that stuff, I'm always open-minded. Maybe I'm wrong. No one really knows anything, so maybe I'm wrong. 
Where do you where do you stand on that, Mike? Well, I don't believe in the conventional things that people would say. Like, for example, a ghost. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what I do believe in, and this probably stems from all the um, like Lovecraftian kind of stuff that I read when I was a kid, where it's like, you know how like Lovecraft thinks everything is um, there's no magic, but there's weird things that we don't know how to comprehend necessarily we don't have the tools to comprehend these things right that's kind of informed my philosophy in life really like i think that um you know the the universe is like much stranger than even we know about and that there are if we had science to describe these things we probably would would be more in control of that but i guess these paranormal things that happen to people they they actually in their minds they believe they see these things right so that weird connection between reality and perception i think that's the gray area where a lot of this stuff exists and we just don't have the technology to uh fully understand all that stuff you know what i mean like oh sure that's kind of where i stand on it where i don't disbelieve things and i don't necessarily wait i just constructed a horrible sentence I don't believe <laughs> I don't believe in the conventional sense, you know, like in, in the mm-hmm. way we have religions that try to describe these things. But I also am open to having a quantitative explanation for these things and fully being comfortable with not having the proper technology to understand it. So I guess that's where I stand on it. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm with you there. Uh, I mean, I think I, in my 20s and and you know, being very angsty, whatever, was a hardcore atheist, maybe a little bit of existentialism. I was very much into those ideas. But again, I've kind of come around to like, hey, no one really knows. This this rock we're on has existed for billions of years and it, on some in something that is infinite, has always existed. That's something we can't really comprehend. So who knows? Yeah. Who knows? That's basically where I am now. I wouldn't say I'm agnostic, but like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe sometimes people experience things that just cannot be explained. Well, there, there's also like the human, you know, hubris involved in this too. Because even back when they did, when um, Newton discovered, you know, when he came up with his idea of Newtonian physics, he's basically, yeah, we pretty much got everything figured out, you know, as far as <laughs> physics. You know, I, we got it all all nailed. So, that was like obviously not true. So I think, yeah, you know, the human ego has placed us to think that we are at some endpoint in our understanding of things. You know, like most people, oh yeah, you know, we 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 got it, we got it, we understand everything, we got all these mathematical models. But I don't think that we're even anywhere near really understanding how anything really works outside of the terrestrial world. I mean, like. You know, Newtonian physics works great if you're trying to build a bridge, you know, or, you know, make a dam or something like that. But when you're trying to, like, comprehend, like, the vast distances between the stars and, like, the endless abyss and all that kind of stuff and black holes, like, who the hell knows what the fuck? I don't, you know, no one knows anything about that shit. That's a very good point. And, like, I I also think human ego and, and hubris maybe works in the other contexts as well thinking well there must be something after this there has to be because i exist i'm special so this must keep continuing but it's a very human idea where the only things on this planet that really can comprehend that that we're going to die 
Yep. And so, of course, we make up these things that comfort us about that. Oh, we're going to continue on. We have to, because this can't be meaningless. But why can't it be meaningless? Of course it can. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that, and that's kind of like what Ligotti talks about in uh, Conspiracy Against uh, the Human Race, you know. Right, which we're both big, big Ligotti fans on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'll tell you the full story when we're done talking on this podcast, because it, it, oh, okay. it's, it's kind of... It's, it's it's interesting, but I, to say too much would be uh, on here would, would wouldn't be appropriate. Um, so, uh, aside from uh, me seeing ghosts, uh, I've seen a few things. Have you seen anything um, uh, interesting? I haven't seen any ghosts, but I've seen a couple of things that were cool. Um, last night, I went to uh, a, a screening of Night of the Living Dead at a QX. Oh, you mentioned that, yeah. yeah, QXTs in Newark. Uh, my friend Tina and I went to that, and it was a lot of fun. And um, is it is that the original or the Tom Savini? No, no, the black and white original, man. It was really cool. There's like a group that puts on, uh, they show films there every month, and uh, it's nice, man. It's on a Friday night. Uh, it starts at like eight and uh, or seven thirty or something like that, and they have they'll have like guests to do like Q and A's afterwards. Um, next month it's White Zombie with Bela Lugosi. I mean, you know, he's not the guest, but you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of interesting if he well, was. <laughs> you know, the undead Bela Lugosi's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was like a handful of people showed up. It was like, you know, the QXTs is like this, um, you know, goth club in uh, in Newark. And uh, yeah, it was just fun, man. It was a good night. You know, you watched Night of Living Dead, hung out, played, you know, some DJs playing music. Um, you know, it was fun. And uh Looking forward to like checking these things out every month, and you know Newark's only about 20, 20 minutes from here. Uh, yeah, yeah it's good times. Uh, cool. I saw the documentary. Awesome. I saw this documentary on on Shutter about found footage. Pretty interesting documentary. About the found footage movies. Yes. Yeah. Oh, what was that called? It's on Shutter. Yeah, it's like I I got I don't know found footage. <laughs> found okay. Yeah. It's, a, it's like a featured thing on there. So de- checking out in the documentary sections. And then I rewatched Mandy. And, oh, uh, okay. I fucking love that movie, man. I do too, man. It's, it's such a, I mean, in our very first podcast together, we talked about our 10 favorite horror movies of the last 10 years or, or of the, yeah, from 2010 to 2019. And then I remember Mandy was on my honorable mentions, and Mandy, I think, was in your top five. Yeah. I, if I remember correctly, yeah. I continue to be able to watch that movie and fully enjoy it. And I've seen it I, I've seen it several times since it's come out. And um, it's just great. Um, I'm reading a book called The Deep by Nick Cutter that Brandon Legion recommended to me. Last weekend, I had a lot of time, so I read like 150 pages. And then during this past week, I got really busy, and I was wasn't able to read it any anything anything this week besides like work related stuff. And you know, there's a lot of things going on this week. So this morning, right. I read like another 50 pages just this morning, and it's just real, real interesting horror sci-fi book. Uh, takes place underwater. You know, the name, the deep. Right. And it really delves into that. We probably don't think about being under the ocean very much. We think about outer space and aliens and things. But this has to do with like being at the bottom of the ocean, 
the darkness and how un- otherworldly that whole thing is. And, and uh, you know, there's I'm going to say there's a Lovecraftian angle to that. Um, you know, oh, of course. We'll talk about <laughs> it. There. Um, it's almost like it has strains of uh, Event Horizon, you know, the film. Mm. Um, a little bit of, of the thing thrown in there as well as like your your typical kind of Lovecraftian otherworldliness that's thrown in there. And it's a really well-written book, very compelling, real page turner. Like I said, in one sitting, I read like, in one sitting, I read 75 pages. In the second sitting, I, I read like another 100 pages. It was amazing. Really, really good. Oh, wow. I got to check that out. It seems right up my alley. Right, right when you said The Deep, I was thinking, didn't Peter Benchley write a book called The Deep in the 70s? There's probably like 100 books with that same title. Easy, you know, easy title. And now this this has something to do with you actually. Um oh. <laughs> I read uh I reread the ISIS interview that was in uh this collection called Esoterra. It was hmm. it, it was an interview with Aaron at uh Creation Books put this out and I was like it came out like I've had this book for many years and I just glanced over at my bookshelf and I saw it just jumped out at me. And I was like, oh, let me look at this. And it has, and I was like, oh, yeah, there's the interview with Aaron in here. And um, it was right around the time Celestial came out. And uh, oh, it's, wow. It's got Turner. There's like Thomas Ligotti's in there. There's uh, Process Church, Alan Moore, Ian Banks, you know, the guy who wrote Wasp Factory. Mm-hmm. And a uh, really interesting book. It's like, you know, it's total 90s book. Like all these all these people, like Joe Coleman, all these guys are like 90s dudes. These subjects are things that were really big in the 90s, you know. Right. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Holy, I, I had no idea that even existed. It's a cool book. I'll send you a photo of it if you want to, you know, maybe you can find it somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd love to read an old interview with Aaron and, and Tom Sagatti and people like that. It's always interesting to go back and see how if people's perspective on anything has changed. And obviously I know Aaron Turner quite well. So I know how much he's changed in the last 20, 22 years. It would be since uh, celestial came out. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, be very interested to read that. And, uh, what do you, what did you got going on? You checking anything out? Well, yeah, you know, I, met, I'm, I, uh, so a few things uh, like uh, I finished Barry on HBO. I don't know if you're familiar with that show. I man, I, I keep meaning to watch that. So many people have recommended that to me, but I haven't checked it out yet. It is very good. It kind of started as like, oh, imagine if um, Mike Judge, creator of uh, Office Space, King of the Hill, Beavis and Butthead. Imagine like if he didn't do have anything to do with the show, but it kind of had like the tone of something he he would do. But it was also very violent and very dark. Oh, wow. Okay. And I, I just finished the third season, and it has shifted to from a comedic show with dark overtones to a very dark, violent show with comedic undertones. It's, uh, it's gotten very, very good. And uh, I highly recommend that. Um, watched a film I wanted to give a shout-out to called Duel. Uh, came out this year. It's directed by Riley Stearns. Um, you may know him. He directed uh, The Art of Self-Defense, and he directed a movie called False, which is a personal favorite of mine. I really, really like that movie a lot. And his new one is called uh, Duel. It has uh, one of the actors from Breaking Bad in it, which is named Aaron Paul. Oh, cool. And uh, 
Karen Gillian, Gillian, I think her name is. She was on uh, Doctor Who, a show I've never watched. Um, she was also the lead in the movie Oculus, which I'm sure you've seen. Yeah, no, definitely. A uh, really cool movie. Uh, sort of about, uh, well, I wouldn't, I, I think it's best to go in this movie cold, but it, it has to deal with cloning. Uh, and it seems to take place in some sort of alternate universe or a different timeline. Maybe it's the future. Uh, really interesting movie, sort of darkly comedic and a little sad too, I'd say. But, uh, you know, this is a horror adjacent movie. I think if you're listening to this podcast, this is something you would definitely enjoy. And uh, the last thing I have written down is something I watched just uh, last night, actually, after the movie we were about to talk about. I watched a movie called, well, a documentary, you should say, Girl in the Picture on oh, yeah, Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been meaning to watch that one as well. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> literally everyone was, got to watch it, got to watch it. And uh, I, I, do you listen to true crime podcasts? I, I don't know that you do. One would think that I would be interested in that, but I just can't, I can't get into one, man. Yeah, it's, I know what you mean. Like, it's like, either too silly or they're too serious or i um there's a few i listen to that kind of get get the get the tone right for me anyway because sometimes like the overly serious one they seem to like just drone on and i don't pay attention but uh you know like i'm a big fan of last podcast on the left and small town murder and podcasts like that this very much is a documentary version of something like that only you know obviously no humor in it at all um it would be a sin to give away anything. You should just go in cold and watch it. It is a crazy story that just keeps evolving and changing. And it's one of those things you're like, this really happened. How did I never, ever hear about the, any of this? You know, it just goes to show you, like, the, the craziest thing could just be completely overlooked by most of the world. If it's not happening to you, you know, who cares? That's true, man. That's very true. Uh, you know, there, there's some crazy shit that happened in my hometown that my mom told me about that was almost like some Twin Peaks shit, you know? Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. It was a couple summers ago. I remember I was visiting my family and we we're sitting out on the porch. And I forgot how we got. My mom loves horror and she loves reading about all this stuff. And she told me this story about like a, a, a missing girl and all that. You know, I don't know. It's just and then I, I started looking it up and um. Yeah, it was just like a very crazy story, you know, about you know, oh, wow. abduction and murder and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and you had no idea, huh? No, no idea that was going on in my, like, sleepy small town that I grew up in. Yeah, yeah, I remember watching, the, there was another Netflix documentary. It was a six-part or eight-part documentary about this this guru, the Bagwan, who came into a, a small town in Oregon and basically took it over. And had this like cult living in this town. I wish I could remember. It was one of those things everyone watched, oh, and yeah, I can't yeah, remember, I remember the title. I remember that? Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I forgot that one too. But yeah, that's that was a big one a few years ago. That happened in the '80s, where I was of age to remember it. You know, and like I was like, this, it's insane that like this wasn't bigger. Like, how did I not know this happened? This must have been on at national news, and just I don't know. Maybe I, I was at the age where I was probably more obsessed with G.I. Joe's and He-Man and shit like that. Probably. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's all I got. Other than that, I've just been baking in the Texas seat, and it's frying my brain, and I don't know how to think anymore. But 
I, uh, yeah. Oh, and uh, the, the the movie we're about to talk about. Watched that last night. Right on. So as, as you guys all know, we're part of this uh, podcasting uh, group of people that are all helping each other out. And we have this excellent community. And uh, some people have gone as far as to refer to it as the four horsemen of the podcast apocalypse. But, he, but here on, <laughs> like ne- on Necromaniacs, we have, a, we have a fifth member, too. So we'll start off yes. by mentioning uh, Break the Apocalypse, which is Mike Scandato's brother, John Draper, featuring him. They come out on Friday. So the whole week, all you got to do is listen to our shows and you're all set. We have Brandon Legion's Horror Wolf podcast on Monday. On Tuesday, we have uh, Jackie Smith into the Necrosphere. And if, you're a f- I, and if you're a fan of extreme metal, check it out. It's got the whole thing right there for you. Wednesday is my other podcast, Everything Went Black, which is an eclectic mix of several different things. Like you kind of don't know what you're going to get on that on that show. I got we talk about music, we talk about you know we have authors on there. We got you know uh, you know MMA and uh, you know martial arts talk. We got filmmakers. It's a you know a, a very diverse subject matter. And of course, on Thursday you have this show. So it's a lot of programming that's out there for you guys. And uh, the more the merrier. And we all back each other, and it's like a really cool, you know, vibe to be part of. Absolutely, I just listened to you on uh, Horror Wolf uh, this yeah. weekend. Mm-hmm. Yep, that, yeah. really great discussion about uh, Lovecraftian horror movies. You all made great choices, and I uh, agree with Brandon's pick for number one. That's my number one pick too. Uh, I guess I shouldn't give it away since, you know, you should go and listen to it. <laughs> yeah, just go but, ahead and listen to it. It's a, it's, it was a cool time, man. It was great talking to him. Good good, good choice, Brandon. And all of you guys picked great movies. Some, you know, some a little bit, you know, like you have to have this and that on there. But there were other surprises on there as well. And uh, a couple things I wrote down to watch. So, yeah, give, 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 give that a listen, everyone. It's good. It's a good one. So that brings us to uh, today's offering uh, of... <laughs> Off season. Great, great way to put it. Yeah, off season. And uh, yeah, yeah, man. Uh, written and directed by Mickey Keating, and I don't think I've seen anything that this guy's done. Have you? No, you know. And I was very surprised to see because I looked it up after I watched it. I try not to you know look up too much before I see something because I don't want it to influence me. Uh, this guy's made like eight other movies. Yeah, none of them I've seen. But it it uh, it seems people do do know his work. And it is uh, quite diverse. I, I, I read that uh, no two movies are alike, which, uh, okay. Um, but, yeah, this I thought for sure this was a first-time feature, but nope, uh, it was not. And yeah. I also, when you mentioned this at first, I thought you were talking about the Jack Ketchum. Uh, I was like, oh, off-season, I think I read that. I, and I know they made a movie out of it. This is not that. No, this is something that... Um... Is, is uh, I think it's a Shutter exclusive right now. I believe you're right. Yeah, that's where I watched it. Pretty good cast, actually. You know, very good. Yeah, we got uh, Jocelyn Donahue as Mary, and you you'll you'll remember her from House of the Devil. Uh, she was in Doctor Sleep, a uh, bunch of other films. Um, the great Joe Swanberg plays George. Yes, her partner, boyfriend, 
husband. Not sure so, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> of course, he was in VHS. Uh, you're next. And he's a writer. He's also an actor. He directs. He's like a jack of all trades in the film world. Uh, we have yeah. the cr criminally underutilized Richard Brake. Yes. As, as the bridge man. And you, you'll, you'll all, you've all seen him before. He was in Mandy. He was in 31, the Rob Zombie. He actually has like a starring role in, in Rob Zombie's 31. I haven't seen that. You know what, man? We, we've, we've talked about Rob Zombie a lot on this <laughs> podcast. And, and Mike, we, rec we reviewed this way back when it came out. Mike and I saw it in the movie theater. And, um, oh, interesting. You know, and, you know we, we were like trying to get like old school. We saw it on a 42nd Street theater. But, you know, obviously 42nd Street's way different than it it is now than it was, you know, it's not the 40 deuce. It's not the deuce anymore. It's like right. you know, Disney world. But you know, we thought we'd be cool and go, Oh yeah, we saw it on 42nd street, this and that. Richard Brake was great in it. And I think that guy should star in more films instead of being a supporting actor. Cause he's got a lot of fucking presence and energy. And you know, he was underutilized in this film and, and he, when he's in yeah, on he screen, he's fucking there, man. You know, but it's like he just had such a small role, but it was unfortunate. Yeah. You know? But you know, he's someone who can do a lot with a small role because he first came on my radar as Joe Chill in Batman Begins. Yeah. He's the one who kills the Waynes. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he kills it in that. Yeah, he's great. We got Ballora Walters uh, as Ava, Mary's mother. Jeremy Gardner. Who uh, mm -hmm. he's one of Joe Bigos's guys. He's been in uh, Bliss, Mind's Eye. Uh, he was in um, not a Bigos film. It's a, a Benson and Morehouse film, Spring, which is an excellent movie. And uh, Gardner plays uh, the fisherman. And then there's a bit role by Larry Fessenden in this film too. He plays what? Really? Oh yeah, yeah. He's in this man. Yeah, very very. I did small. not catch that. He's one of the one of the townsfolk in this movie. Yeah. Wow. Well, that makes this cast that much more impressive. Yeah. Um, cool. Larry Fessenden, for those who don't know, is a great uh, horror or genre filmmaker and does quite a bit of acting in. I think I've only seen him in, in, in genre films. He was in Bigos's uh, Mind's Eye as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, he's he pops up in the, the most curious places. Fessenden. You know, mm, he does. He does. Um, fascinating uh, filmmaker in, in his own right. Big fan. Yeah. Uh, sad that I missed it. Now, do, am I gonna have to go back and watch this again? <laughs> well, I <laughs> wouldn't want to go back and watch this again, honestly. And that that might be uh, a little bit of a uh, spoiler, or maybe how I felt about this film. Let's. let's well, yeah. Mike, I'm glad you said it because I been thinking like how do i not spoil how i feel about this movie right away yeah. well <laughs> um, it is what it is man you know that's all yeah. i can say well it has all the elements of stuff that you and i love yes you have this wicker man-esque premise something i completely love and you have this creepy small town you know i when i wrote down ramsey campbell in the first 20 minutes yep. of writing this this kind of feels like it's very much based on something he would write and it, this story desperately needs someone like a ramsey campbell to do like a punch-up on the script or something because it was just almost almost there 
Um, and you have this Lovecraftian vibe, of course, uh, which is a thing you and I both love. Yeah. So we have all these elements of things that we love. Why didn't I love this movie? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, uh, maybe one, but by the end we'll figure this out. But that's not to say there weren't good things in the film, though. You know what I mean? There's. It started off, oh, I thought, of really promising. It starts off with a monologue, with uh, you know, we see like a middle-aged lady. She's like in the midst of this monologue, and then has this bone-curdling, blood-curdling scream at the end of it. You know, and she's like, accept their nightmares with open arms, which is like, mm-hmm. like, oh, this is this is gonna be great. You know, it's like. Yeah, <laughs> well, that little, yep. little pieces of dialogue like that are, are cool, you know, and um, yeah, totally. Yeah, so that it sets the tone, and that's what I mean. Like the, there's the atmosphere of this film, I thought was pretty cool in general, you know. But oh, uh, absolutely. There's just so many. Just they drop the ball in so many spots throughout this movie, you know. Right. Okay. Well, let's break it down. Yeah, yeah. the opening one take monologue, great, great stuff. Uh, it goes downhill from there. <laughs> um, well, first of all, the premise is basically she need this 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 daughter needs to go back to the island where the mother's from because and I wrote this down and underlined it and put ten exclamation or points like she needs to go back because her mother's gravestone was vandalized. Yeah, that is quite a flimsy premise, wouldn't you think? Yeah, like, yeah, and you... that and that's where that's part of the right the shortcomings of the writing. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, I've done this on other episodes where I like it would be great if we did this instead. But yeah, I mean, I think you needed a stronger reason to go back. You know, like maybe there was Absolutely. Some, some some issue with the will or like because uh, her mother was, uh, you know, in, in the film, the mother was uh, a celebrity. She was a famous actress. <laughs> yeah. The, the, you know, the daughter is not in the business, but there's the impression that they're, they have like a well-off lifestyle, you know, that there's money, that kind of thing. And something like, oh yeah, the, the, the will, you need to come back and execute this portion of the will or, or something, like some reason to go back there other than the gravestone was vandalized. So that's like a major, like, I thought they dropped the ball there right away. Well, also, too, because the will is mentioned throughout the movie. That's right. It is yeah. part of the plot. So it, it makes it even more like, like confusing. Because like, I thought the same thing. There's like an issue with the will or money or something. But like, if, if I got a call saying like a family member's gravestone was defiled, I'd be like, oh, that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Like, like it, it just, I don't know. Yeah, they're very like just strange and like they really didn't uh, think that one through obviously in the wicker man you have a great reason as to why the person would go to the island it's a cop there's a missing girl it makes sense it seems urgent um a, a defiled gravestone is not urgent in any way so yeah that was sort of my first red flag but if something you know i was like oh, I'm, I'm way willing to to, to overlook that um and that's pretty much the plot of the movie. She gets to this creepy island and strange things happen. The end. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's more to it than that. Uh, but, I mean, did you notice, like, I thought the geography of this, this town is one thing. Like, the, okay, but the movie did have great atmosphere. I'll give it that. Like, this is well shot. It looks great. 
Um, but I never really got a sense of the geography of this town. It really did feel disjointed and unconnected. Like it felt like, oh, they shot all the beach scenes here and had to move production like 10 miles away for the, the road. Like it's supposed to be this small town, but they seem to be on this endless road when they're driving. And yet in other scenes, she can just run from one end of the town to the, to the other, to the bridge. Like, so the GI, it just felt like it's budgetary limitations were felt in that aspect. Like when, when, when you get to the graves, uh, graveyard, it's clearly not a graveyard. That, that, that's true about the graveyard, but the geography thing, I kind of, now that's, that's the thing where I like sort of, maybe I was forgiving about that because when I, what I was reading was like, you know, like when you read a weird fiction story and it's things are things in the physical world change, you know, like the distance from point A to point B is. Mm. I was figuring on that. That's how I was reading all that, like weird anomalies in like the physical world, because when you go into the islands, like you have to first, you got to deal with Richard Brake's character, the Bridgman, you know, passing right. across the island. You only have like a limited window of time that you can go over there. So you're clearly going from one place into this other place. Okay, the island itself had takes on like this supernatural aura once you cross the bridge onto the island. And I was all about that. I was like, great, you're in, now you're in like weird fiction land. You know, you're not. Yeah, you're I not, love stuff like that. Yeah, you're not in the real world anymore. You're in this dreamlike other place, and that's why I was like. The distances, everything's weird. There's like, uh, you know, physical world stuff that doesn't seem to add up. And I, I picked up on that more. But I do agree with you that the, uh, they could have found a better location for this cemetery. Yeah. And, uh, okay, yeah, I, I'll concede to your point. That actually is a really good point. I wish the movie was maybe better about building that. Like, I felt like this should have been a slow burn. Yeah. Like, exactly. like the Wicker Man. Yep. And this movie moves way too fast and kind of drags at the same time. It's very weird. Like the first 20 minutes, so much has already happened. And there's a lot of exposition dialogue. And there's one scene where the main character is knocked out and you get this sort of flashback to the lawyers talking about the will. Uh, I thought this should have been the scene that follows the monologue. Yeah. Should have opened with that. And then just sort of dole it out exposition a little bit slowly. Like there's a lot of conversations in cars where, okay, uh, she's having a conversation with George. Who, who is George? I never, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's not her, me. It's, it's not her, like, if, if that's her husband, they, they seem to be estranged. That, or is that her friend? I, I read it as they were, like I said, it was it was her partners, like whatever that means. Like it could be, you know, maybe her ex boyfriend or ex husband, or they're currently in a relationship, but it's like tense. They don't clearly establish that, you know, and that was another shortcoming in the film. And similar to what you said about how it moves too fast, yet I found myself fucking bored through large portions of this movie too, you know. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and just the way that, like, I think he's there just so she has someone to, to to bounce exposition off of. His character could have been completely written out. I don't think the movie would have changed at all, really. Um, 
but she needs to tell like, oh, uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, my mom told me this crazy story that this town made a deal with the, the, some sort of thing. And there's something weird about the town. Oh, I forgot to mention that, <laughs> you know, like I really think maybe like the mother hinting to this in the monologue or her discovering this as you go along with a better, better way to explain what's happening other than this like rather boring exposition dump. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree that George was uh, unnecessary, and it had they had they had that Will scene after the monologue and did away with the vandalism angle. This could have been like a way more uh, sleeker version of the narrative, and it would have moved along. It, and then, it, and then, it, then if you had that to, intact, then you could kind of simmer in this like atmosphere because the atmosphere is awesome. It's like very gothic, you know, everything looks gray and, and just kind of uh, dreamlike too, you know? Yeah, exactly. And even like, it, like you know, the, the graveyard in the middle of like a, the, the, the woods, although it's the woods of Florida, so it comes sort of looks tropical, <laughs> yeah. uh, which, which I don't know, was different, different enough to think, I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, and you see this sort of Lovecraftian creature on the, uh, the gravestone and the camera lingers on it a little too long. I just, Thought, you know, maybe seeing that in, in passing or her like, hey, noticing, oh, that's weird. Um, something like that. But yeah, and you get this this woman who comes out of the fog, right? And it's, it's clear right away that something is is, is very amiss. You, you know, you don't you don't get a, a slower sense that there's something wrong with the town. You get it like right away, like, oh, this woman is disappeared out of nowhere and is creepy as hell. And, uh, you know, then you get to the local bar, which was, I actually really like this scene. This is what made me think of a Ramsey Campbell story. It seems yeah. something like straight out of something he would write. I would be very surprised if the writer director of this was not a fan of Ramsey Campbell. Uh, and you meet the odd sort of town folk. Um, this movie hits almost every cliche. Uh, but, you know, a cliche can be great if it's done right. And uh, I did, I did like the scene at the bar. Uh, it was, you know, a little creepy and un and, and unsettling. Uh, you get the sense that she sort of walked into something, and you know, you're not sure what. I thought that was a. I thought I like that scene. Yeah, that's where we get Jeremy Gardner, the fisherman, who rolls up on her, and it's like, you know, I, I could be your friend. I stay up late, you know. Uh, <laughs> see my, at first, I thought he was like, you know, lose the square and uh, you know, look me up later. But really, what is what he was referring to? was I can get you off the island because he's like, I have a boat. And he's like, yeah, this is fucked up. You shouldn't be here. You need to leave. I have a boat. That was his his whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I felt like, again, like that scene between the two of them went on really like, hey, hey, I can leave. Like he, he, he could have just said that, but he goes on to all these other like, hey, I stay up late. Uh, I live just on the road. Uh, I got a boat. I can be your friend. <laughs> like it just keeps going. Yeah. And going. It was, it was weird. It's, it's weird because both of them are great actors. And I think everyone in this is, is a really good actor, but they don't do their best work in this. Like a, a lot of the, the, the scenes of dialogue feel awkward. Like almost like they, they covered one actor one day and they covered the other actor the next. Like, it doesn't ever feel like two actors are in a scene together. It has a stiltedness to a lot of it. And I don't know if that was intentional, but if it was, I think it was the, the, the wrong way to go about it. 
I, I'm going to attribute that to just a poor script and bad directing, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even, again, just the, the, the disconnect, again, like I mentioned, the outside of the bar is, is very clearly different than the inside. You know, one scene, she's looking in through this through the long window to notice that no one's moving. But if you remember in the inside of the bar, you don't see really any windows. It's more like a tavern or something like that. Um, that's just a little technical, whatever. I mean, most movies are done like that. Exteriors and interiors are completely different. But again, I just felt in this, stuff like that was far more noticeable. And also, I wish they would have expanded on the uh, the, the mythology of the connection of this demigod, demon, whatever, entity, and the town. Because they make these references to, like, there was, like, a pact made, you know, generations ago and this and that, and... You know, it's almost like this, like, shadow over Innsmouth kind of Dagon uh, angle. You know what I mean? There's, like, a seaside community, like, some creature that they're looking to yeah. as, like, a demigod. And I, I would like to have had that fleshed out a little bit more, you know? Oh, no, absolutely. I would have, yeah, I totally agree. I think that should have been fleshed out a lot more um, because it's a very interesting idea. And, again, like, to get more of a sense of what this town is really like. But like the second half of the movie is basically our lead character sort of wandering around uh, endlessly. And, and, you know, a, a museum, a, a, a flower shop, all these things. And like, you know, these scenes are cool. I really like, that's where you get a better sense. I love the empty main street with all the fog. I loved all that stuff. The atmosphere was great. But it just kept dragging, and this would have been a good uh, part to maybe have an interaction with the character. You learn a little bit more about this this demi, this god from the sea. Um, just something, something to bring this movie to life. And also defining what actually is going on with the townspeople, too. You know? Yeah, that to me was never really quite explained, was it? I mean, I know there's a scene where she meets back up with the fisherman. He tries to help her, but... Uh, you don't really get, uh, yeah, you, you don't understand anymore. You just like kind of regurgitates what you already know. But, but the mother uh, told her and, you know, you, uh, um, there's, some, there's some really bad dialogue in this too, I should point out. And the mother having lost her mind is sort of like a, a uh, an unreliable witness element of the film. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like she's like explaining things colored by her insanity, you know, so that's not like that should have been blended with some actual, uh, you know, hard facts like in the film so that you kind of have like a better idea what's going on. And also, I I wasn't clear. Did you have to become part of that community? Did you have to die and be resurrected? And if that's the case, was the, the fisherman a, a living person? And if he was alive and not part of the community, what the hell is he doing there? <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, I like it would have made to mention him as like, oh, I was a tourist who missed the, the, uh, the bridge. Uh, I think in their first interaction, he says something about being the last one on the island, which, again, I, oh, that doesn't really mean anything because that whole point is never, ever explained. Um, and if you have to die to be a member of the, why do they even want the daughter, the main character, uh, Mary? That's never really quite clear. 
and they have no use for George either, but George um, pops up later in the movie because now he disappears and comes back later. It, it's almost like they wrote down, this would be cool, this would be cool, this would be cool, yeah. and forgot to connect any of it or like explain anything. Or at least, you don't have to spell everything out, but at least make it uh, give the audience enough to put it together themselves. And none of that is here. Well, you know, we, we talk about Ramsey Campbell. And like, if this had been actually a story written by him, I think that what would have connected her to the island was like, you know, maybe uh, the bloodline of the original people that made this pact with the demon or whatever. Like, they have to live on the island and, you know, that sort of thing. Like, that, that would have made sense to me rather than just having these, like, incidental people that are part of the community that have to be, you know, killed or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like that aspect of it. I think it would have been cooler if, like, the presence of the demon or demigod changed these people somewhat and turned them into something. You know, I don't know. Like that's that's that was my preference, but I don't know. Though I didn't, I wasn't in love with a lot of that stuff. Like I thought that they could have did a better job, like with the with the motivations and that sort of stuff in the movie. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. So I think we both agree. Like this, the problems start at the the script with this movie. Yeah, you know, and and the execute like this really should have been. A, a slow burn that was that wasn't i mean like 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 i mentioned earlier it moves too quick but yeah i found myself bored with it like it's it just the story just doesn't have enough meat on its bones just justify even its 80 minute runtime it's a very short movie that's the other thing too like we were talking about the, the sort of aimless wanderings like this almost is like a short film really this would have been better as like a 30 minute movie and i think the uh when when old Mickey Keating was uh th- he's like oh shit I only got thirty minutes of a movie here we gotta we gotta beef this up a little bit so let's add these like atmospheric scenes of her wandering around the empty town and and some of that's cool but like there was just way too much oh of yeah it, you know way way too much of it yeah like maybe like we'll cut one of the scenes out or like you know that all that wandering it could could have been again like it's very cool it's atmospheric. But it doesn't go anywhere in a movie that doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, and, um, and I found myself looking at my phone during those seasons, uh, st- during those uh, scenes after a while. Yeah, no, me too. And uh, you know, uh, just every like, I don't want to completely shit on it because there is there is some cool stuff in this. Like, you do get a glimpse of of the creature, or not creature, but whatever this thing is. You get a that's one of the cooler parts of the movie when like on the beach and you see this thing I thought oh that's that's nice I I wish it was in a better movie yeah yeah totally that was very cool and that scene in general I thought was awesome you know but at the by the time it came up I was like ah I'd already kind of checked out of the movie to be honest yeah I feel like I made up my mind about this movie 20 minutes in that this just wasn't going to be that good. And then maybe hopefully something will happen that'll turn it around. And there was glimpses of, and glimmers of, of hope, but uh, uh, it, it never just, it, it never quite did. Like uh, there's just so many dead ends in this movie characters that don't need to be there. Uh, lack of motivation on, on the, the or, or lack of explanation of the motivation for, for this, uh, 
demon or whatever is is controlling the town like he's mentioned the demon is the palm of the hand and the humans are its fingers well for what yeah yeah, that sounds great but it's like word salad like what the fuck like like explain explain that you know yeah and at one point in one of the worst lines i wish i'd wrote it down going on memory it's like people bring the sunshine sunshine brings the tourists tourists brings the power or something that made absolutely no sense like the, the like they mentioned that that it needs tourism to thrive, but they don't want the tourists there for the summer. And it, did you ever get a, a, a? Did you maybe I missed it? Why is it only in the summer season that that things like this happen? Like where the, the people are under the control of of the demon, but the rest of the year it's this thriving tourist town. It, it didn't it didn't make sense. It should have been something that was just completely hidden from the rest of humanity. If if they did explain that, it slipped right by me, honestly, because I probably if, if it was ever covered in the film, I missed it because I was probably looking at my phone or something like that because I I had been completely bored by the time they got to it, honestly. Yeah, I was looking at like DoorDash. Oh, what's open? Thinking, <laughs> you know, about, thinking about ordering food and stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah, what am I going to watch when the food gets here? Not this. This will be over. <laughs> yeah, like I it was. Yeah, like I said, I thought I'd made up my mind twenty minutes in by like an hour, and I was like, "Well, I'm completely checked out." If we weren't covering this, I'm not even sure I would have would have finished it. Yeah, yeah, totally. But you know, you know, but like I said, it's um, it's unfortunate because I thought in general there was a, some good ideas, you know, and and that I like the actors in it. I really like Jocelyn Donahue in, as as an actress. I think she's she's really talented, and I like seeing Joe Swanberg. I love Richard Brake. I wish I'd see him in more things. You know, agreed. Jeremy Gardner's awesome. Somewhere in there was Larry Fessenden. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, apparently. Yeah, you know, it's just it was cool uh, in general. Lot, that stuff really. It's that's why I wanted to watch this. I'm like, okay, cool, a weird fiction story. It's got all these actors in it that I like. And um, just sounds cool, you know, but it, it didn't really pan out that way, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, well like I said, when you first mentioned it, I was like, oh, man, we're going to do a Jack Ketchum thing. Uh, OK, sure. Why not? Yeah, I'm not and it was so. Re- yeah, yeah. I, I read three of his books and that was three too many. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad, you know, I was excited. Like, oh, this isn't that at all. This sounds right up, right up our alley. And like, yeah, the, that monologue was great. And. Like, oh, great, I'm on board. And almost as soon as I was on board, I jumped right the fuck off. Like, you mentioned you have a great actor, Joel, Joe Swanberg. You know, he's solid, good, and everything. Um, Jocelyn Donahue is uh, great in House of the Devil. Uh, she's really kind of bad in this. Yeah, that's, I was going to say that because I was kind of like, I didn't. She yeah, she didn't really act to her potential, or or maybe she was not directed well enough to really get a great performance. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, that's sort of where I'm leaning. I remember there's a scene when they walk into the fisherman's house, and she is like doing this weird like Maynard dance. Like she's like kind of leaning forward and leaning back, leaning forward, leaning back. Like she's supposed to be looking, yeah, like around. Yeah. It looked really awkward. 
Like, uh, it, it didn't seem like an accurate choice. It said, like, it just screamed, like, okay, you, you're looking, but you're scared. Look forward, and I'll move back. Now look forward, and I'll move back. It just felt very awkward and, like, more of, like, a, a director choice. It's I mean, I could be totally wrong. It's interesting that you brought that up because I was thinking the same thing as I was watching it. I'm like, who the fuck directed her to do that? Because it seemed so unnatural <laughs> and out of character. <laughs> You know, like that awkward, yeah. awkward, you, ne- you never got a sense that she had that awkward kind of energy to her, you know, and, and it just was in that one scene. And I was like, man, like, you know, that, that's just like a weird, a weird move, I think, you know? Yeah. It's, it's an, un- the, George is so underwritten that way. And we already agreed that like, he doesn't even really need to be in the movie. And you don't even really, I mean, they must have said their connection, and I, I just missed it. Yeah. Like, um, but this character is also very underwritten. Like, there's a alludes like, oh, the, the bad, the, the actor's bad girl, the actress's bad boy daughter, bad, bad boy, bad girl daughter, naughty girl, whatever they call her. Um, they allude to some things, but there's barely a character for her to act. Like, uh, and that's... She's, that doesn't, yeah, she doesn't seem like scared of anything that's going on, no matter how weird it is. And then other times, she, she kind of seems scared. Like it's very just, it's just inconsistent all over the place. Yeah, you never really got a sense of what she was all about. You know what I mean? I agree with that. Oh, I just looked up um, a synopsis of the plot, and it indicates that Swanberg is her boyfriend. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So now, now that's like okay. uh, reestablish that. I guess straighten that out. It, Interesting too, because there's such a coldness between the two of them. There's there doesn't seem to be any like loving relationship between the two of them. There's very like odd choice. Like if it was ex boyfriend or something, that would make a lot more sense. And then there would need to be a and, reason for her ex to accompany her on the to the island. You know. Right. Exactly. Otherwise, I mean, I like like again, just a few little things to make the movie better. It just yeah, make that uh, a thing. Like the ex-boyfriend or like, I don't know, something. There's so much exposition going on, dialogue in the cars, but you never get a sense of who the characters are at all. And it makes you care less about what you're seeing. Um, instead, you get these silly exposition scenes where my mom said this time made a, a deal with a demon. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, imagine our, being well, in a car with me, yeah. <laughs> with your girlfriend. She tells you that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, OK, huh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, there really isn't that much more to say about this, is there? No, I mean, it's, uh, kind of a a missed opportunity on a really cool plot idea that just didn't deliver, you know? Yeah, totally, man. I, I think this has the elements of something great, but the, the, it needed a skeleton of a good script. And I don't know this guy's other work, but he has a good visual sense. The movie looks creepy. It looks atmospheric. Maybe he's not the best with actors or, or maybe he wrote this as well. Yeah, he wrote it. Maybe like, come up, bring this idea to someone who, who can really bring it to life. And who knows, maybe this script was hundred pages knocked down to 80 or something. They just couldn't do the movie they wanted because obviously they're doing it on a budget. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's this, this could have been a great script that got butchered. Who knows? But I think that's where the problems really stem from. It's underwritten 
and they try to make up for it with great visuals. And for me, it just didn't do it. If you're going to give it a grade, what would you give it? I'm going to give it a three, you know? Um, yeah. Like I, I think I, I'm not, I didn't really enjoy it. The visual is what kept me going throughout the film, like the atmosphere. Um, it's worth checking out. It's not something I would steer people away from, but I, I just didn't like it. You know what I mean? I didn't think it was, um, it didn't, it didn't entertain me. Um, you know, there was a lot of holes in the plot. There was stuff that was, uh, you know, like structural issues with the, with the script, I thought. So I gave it a three. Uh, I agree. I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to go two and a half. Brutal. Um, well, you know, um, three is the lowest recommendation. Like, yeah, well, you know, I didn't love it, but you know, B minus, whatever. Mm-hmm. This just was such a missed opportunity. I, I just can't fully recommend it. It's not terrible. It's not laugh out loud bad. It's a great premise. It's a great looking movie lots of atmosphere it's just not it's just not there like whatever their intention was i don't think it's it, it's up there on the screen i think my theory is what i just said like there, there, there was something better planned but they couldn't they didn't have the money things needed to get cut and you get the story that doesn't seem fleshed out at all and i think if this is like your sixth seventh eighth feature whatever it feels like you would know these things by now like this isn't <clears throat> This isn't fleshed out enough. So uh, I really think that, that uh, they just didn't have the money to, to, to make the movie they wanted to make. Uh, and, yeah, it happens. Uh, so, yeah, not terrible, but, like, I, I don't recommend it. I mean, if you want to have something spooky on in the background while you make dinner, or, <laughs> or uh, sure. But uh, it just, just wasn't not, not, not quite there. And, uh, but you know, I do, I'll say this, I do want to go and check out the director's other work now. Yeah. It kind of turned me off to this guy, actually. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't really feel motivated to check out any of his other work. You know what I mean? See, I do. I want to know if, <laughs> if like, if I'm right, like, you know, like maybe like, like this guy's got a great movie in him somewhere. He's made six or seven. So, you know, maybe he knocked one out of the park because this seems like an idea that could just be like a home run in like a, a more in someone else's hand. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm curious about him now. Okay. I'm curious. Well, let me know. Definitely get back to me. I will. About it for sure, I, I, apparently the, the one that comes is, you know, after I watch the movie, I, I look up a little bit. I look at the Rotten Tomato score, you know, maybe something else they've done. This, this movie has something like a 67%. has a threat. Most critics liked it. Uh, and I thought, did they just watch the same movie I watched? Uh, well, dude, there's a movie that I'm going to tell. I'm not going to spoil it because we're going to cover this movie. But there is a movie that we were talking about doing that I'll tell you when we get off the air that got a very high Rotten Rotten Tomatoes score. And I 100% disagree with it. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> we got to do that one soon. Oh, yeah, totally. Because yeah. I, I, I think we're going to be in agreement. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> But yeah, okay, so two and a half for me, three for you. So check it out or don't. (laughs) (laughs) It's like there's other things to watch is basically what we're both trying to say, especially if you have, you know, Shudder. Hey, hats off to Shudder. You know, 
that they'll have a movie like this and they also have the thing, you know, and they have all these incredible films on there. And then there's like, you know, stuff that's like, you know, out there, but it's cool that people can watch these films in, in the same platform, you know, as incredible movies too. It's like, I, I like that. I like that. This is on shutter, even though I didn't like the movie. Oh yeah, no, totally. Like shutter is a huge gift to horror fans. And, uh, yeah, it's you know some sometimes the stuff that it's exclusively on Shutter doesn't quite hit, but some of it is 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 really fantastic. So yeah. it's just like any other streaming service, this one wasn't quite there. But hey, you know some people may just like it. You know, if, if I saw this maybe when I was like a teenager, I might might love it. Who knows? You know, there's always an audience for something. You know, like uh, uh, my you know my uh, stepdaughter, she loved Batman and Robin. <laughs> you know. <laughs> A movie everyone hated, but hey, someone's going to like it. And there you go. A seven-year-old liked it. Right on. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Take care. Bye. Yeah.